0: For the past few weeks, we have been talking about confidence. We've been talking about confidence. In the first week, we talked about how the source of our confidence is Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about getting off the roller coaster of insecurity, how there's times when you feel really high, and then there's times when you feel really low. And and what do you do to just have this constant state of confidence? How can that be made real to you? And so we looked at that. I gave you some practical keys. Today, my goal through this message is to give you a biblical example of that, and his name is Gideon. His name is Gideon. Gideon was on the roller coaster of insecurity. I'm not going to spend a lot of time hyping this subject of confidence up to you, because I feel like we all know what it feels like. We've all experienced being on that roller coaster. We've all felt insecurity. We've all felt a lack of courage, fear, lack of confidence. We know what those highs and lows are like, and so I just want to jump kind of straight in, piggyback on this message, and talk about what is one of my favorite characters in all of Scripture, and that is Gideon. Now, when I say character, I don't mean like a Disney character, some mythological, you know, I'm talking about Gideon really lived. He was a real guy, just like you and I. He lived thousands of years ago. But a few important things you need to know about Gideon. God called Gideon to do something that he was absolutely unqualified for. God called Gideon to do something that he had no training in, that he, we don't know if he was going to be good at it. He was outnumbered. Gideon had a lot of disadvantages. And yet, when you read the account of Gideon in Scripture, you see that God shows up. God uses Gideon in this amazing way. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Judges, uh, starting the sixth chapter. The story of Gideon's life goes all the way through the eighth chapter. Um, We're not going to do a verse-by-verse exposition today of of Gideon's life, but we are going to look at different points in Gideon's life, and I want to show you some of the highs and the lows. I want to hit some of those highlights. And so number number one, just jumping right into it, God doesn't call the confident. He makes confident the called. God doesn't call the confident. He makes confident the called. So in Gideon's day, here's what was going on in the nation of Israel. Israel had started serving some idols. Israel had gotten away from God. They knew the right thing to do, but they just chose not to do it. And so they had gotten away from God. And here's here's what happens. Whenever we back up from God, God's like, okay, you want to do it your own way? Have at it. And he's a gentleman. If you ask him to leave, he will leave. And so that's exactly what happened. God backed up the Midianites. There was these nomadic people. They just went around from place to place scavenging. Well, they found Israel and they came in. The Israelites would plant and they would tend to the crop all during the season. And then right there at harvest, the Midianites would come down out of the hills and they would attack Israel and they completely impoverished Israel. I mean, to the point there was nothing left. And this happened year after year after year. These Midianites came. The Israelites didn't have anything. And so they actually go into hiding. Scripture says that they started hiding in, in caves and strongholds and shelters. Anywhere they could hide, they would hide because they were absolutely terrified Of the Midianites. And scripture also says you couldn't even count them. There were so many Midianites. You couldn't even begin to count them. And here they come. Harvest time. All right. Here they come. And so they impoverished Israel. And Israel does what so many of us do. When we get in trouble, what do we do? God, I need you. Where are you? Help. And so they cried out to God. God heard their cry. And he comes to them. Here's how he came. He came in the form of an angel. Verse 11. uh, We're going to read verse 11 and 12 of chapter 6. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oropah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress. I'll come back to that in just a moment. To keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. There's a couple things in here I want to dissect. First, I've already shared with you, Gideon is living among a people of fear. There is an atmosphere of fear in Israel. These people are hiding in shelters and caves and uh, strongholds. They're hiding anywhere they can hide. There is just this pervasive atmosphere of fear. Oh, no, here they come again. What are we going to do? We didn't have any food. We need food. What are we going to do? And so Gideon is living in an atmosphere of fear. You might be tempted to think by verse 12, God calls him mighty warrior. You might be thinking, oh, well, Gideon's going to save the day. He's a mighty warrior. But that's when we need to look back at verse 11. Gideon is not some brave man in a nation of sissies, Okay. Gideon' scared, too! Here's how I know he's scared. He is threshing wheat in a wine press. Now I know we have several farmers in our congregation, and so you guys could probably tell me a lot more about this than what I know. But back in that day, what these farmers would do and these guys, whenever they were threshing wheat, is you would have to get somewhere where a breeze could blow through. You needed to be somewhere windy, and you would throw the wheat up. The chaff would separate from the wheat. The wheat was uh, it weighed more than the chaff, and so the wheat would fall back down, and you kept doing that until on the threshing floor you were left with nothing but wheat, and all the chaff had blown away. A wine press is a glorified hole, okay? So Gideon is threshing wheat in a hole. There is no breeze there. This would not have been an ideal place to thresh wheat. But what does it say? Because he was trying to keep it from the Midianites. So that's what makes verse 12 so, I mean, almost laughable. This angel of God comes to Gideon and says, Hello, mighty warrior. That's exactly what the Israelites needed. They needed a warrior. They needed somebody who could rise up, get everybody, train them in the ways of battle. They needed somebody who could rally the troops and let's go fight the Midianites. They needed a warrior. Gideon was not that guy. Gideon was a farmer. Gideon was a farmer. Why did God call him mighty warrior? Because God will speak to the potential in you. That's how you know if it's Satan or if it's God. If it's Satan, he is called the accuser of the brethren. He always comes to you with what you're not good at, what you can't do, how you'll never match up. What are you thinking? Why are you trying to do this? God comes and he speaks to the potential in Gideon. Hello, mighty warrior. I know you've never fought before. I know you don't know anything about battle, but I see something in you that you don't even see in yourself. Let me tell you about something. If you have a relationship with God long enough, he will call you to uncomfortable situations. He will call you to settings that make you go, oh man, can I do this? I don't know. And then he will give you what you need to get through that situation. He knows things that are in you that you don't even realize are in you. Gideon had no idea the type of warrior he could be, how confident and courageous he could be until God called it out of him. Now, he doesn't go from a sissy to confident overnight. There is this roller coaster, and this is what I want to show you. Look at verse 13. Over the next few verses, there is this incredible back and forth between Gideon and God. Gideon says in verse 13, Pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. God, I can't do this. And you're not even God. God has left us. The Lord said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Do you see this back and forth? Gideon says, I can't. God says, go, I'm going to help you. Look at the next verse. Verse 15. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. I can't do this. Sounds like a good thing that needs to be done. I hope it does get done. But God, you are barking up the wrong tree. And look at what God says back. I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Every time Gideon responds to God with doubt, God responds to Gideon with confidence. You can do it. I'm with you. Go in the strength you have. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be seasoned warrior. I am going to go with you. Again, to make the point, God doesn't call the confident. He makes confident the called. I know that in a room this size, as I'm saying that, you are sitting here, and if God called you to do something, you are keenly aware of all of your flaws and all of your shortcomings. And if God asked you to do something, I mean, within like 60 seconds, you could rattle off a list of 10 reasons why. Thank you for thinking of me, God, but you probably need to go somewhere else. Uh, I think I saw another guy in here. God saw a warrior hiding in a hole. He saw a mighty warrior hiding in a hole. What does God see in you? What does God see when he looks at you? So this week as I was preparing this message, one of the things I came across, I'm I'm trying to figure out how can I teach you how to uh, be confident, how to banish fear, how to put fearful thoughts away. And so I started to read some articles, and one of the things I noticed is that science and a lot of smart people have written a lot of articles, and here's what they say. This world system is, if you want to gain confidence, then what you need to do is you need to think about your happy place. And you need to push fearful thoughts aside, and you need to close your eyes to that and push fear out of the equation and think about things that make you confident. In other words, you got to close your eyes to these things right here. What I love about God is God says, do the exact opposite. God says, you want confidence? Here's what you need to do. You need to open your eyes. Yes, you will see the situation, but look at what he promises Gideon. I am with you. If you will look, you will see that it's not just the problem that's there. It's me standing there with you to face the problem. We open our eyes because again, God doesn't call the confident. He makes confident the call. Number two, number two, the road to confidence is filled with challenges. The road to confidence is filled with challenges. It's not gonna be easy. Nothing worth doing is easy, is it? And so before Gideon can even start to think about the Midianites, before he even starts to prepare a battle plan or to get troops together, the first thing that God calls on Gideon to do is you've got to get the hearts of the people in your nation, your family, your cousins, your friend, you've got to get their hearts turned back toward me. And so God tells him, here's what I want you to do. You're Your family and your friends, they've been engaged in idol worship. You need to go tear down the altars of Baal. You need to go tear down the Asherah poles, and you need to turn their hearts toward me because I will go. I will fight with you. But they can't think once we win that it was them that did it. They can't think that it was by their might or their strength or that somehow they had finally had enough and they stood up to the Midianites and there was enough power in and of themselves. And so God says, I want you to go tear down all those things. Look at what verse 27 says. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did just as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, He did it at night rather than in the daytime. Anybody ever been there? God, I trust you. I'm going to do it, but I'm nervous, so I'm going to do it at night. (laughs) Gideon goes and he tears down all these things: these Asherah poles, these altars to Baal. He tears all that stuff down. Next day, the townspeople get up; they are not happy. They're not happy. But Gideon said, all right, I'll go. I'm going to do it, but I'm nervous. That's happened to me tons of times. One one time in particular, uh, Nicole and I, we were both feeling called that it was a new season. We were supposed to step out. God had something else for us. We were both in ministry. We were working at a children's home in Falcon, excuse me, working at a children's home in Falcon, North Carolina. And uh, I got a call from my pastor, Pastor Farrell Hardison here at the bridge. And he said, Andrew, we're going to hire a children's pastor. It's only three quarter time. I don't know if you could leave for the salary we're going to offer, but man, if you want it, we would be very interested in having you. So we began to pray and fast. And we were like, you know what? I think that's God. We're, we're going. And we were feeling that way anyway. And so then we got that call, and it was confirmation. And so at the children's home, you had to put in a 30-day notice because it's a ministry position. They asked you to, to do that. It helps them fill the slots, and they can't have kids and no workers, and so they ask you to give them a 30-day notice. So we go in, and we're like, man, we're ready to get to the church as soon as possible. We feel released. We are going to step out in faith. Between the two of us, we had one three-quarter-time job. Let's do it. Let's quit the job we got, both of us. Faith. And so we go into the superintendent's office. We said, we'll give you one month. But after that, we really got to get up that way. God's calling us. It's our time. He said, okay, I understand. Thank you. You know, he's very polite, very nice about it. He still have a good relationship with him to this day. But then most of that 30 days came and went. And we still had one quarter time job between the two of us. And I was like, God, I trust you, but I'm nervous. And so the next day, Nicole was off. I had to work. We prayed, God, all right, you got to provide. We're praying that tomorrow she finds a job, that everything's going to be good. And so we were moving to Mount Olive. And so she came here that day, and she canvassed the area. And none of y'all would hire her. No, I'm just kidding. She canvassed the area. She went to Goldsboro, handed out a bunch of resumes and applications. She is going after it. Of course, that day I'm at work. It's all I can think about. She calls me. I'm I'm finishing up my day at work. And she tells me, hey, babe. Hey, how'd it go? She said, well, it was good. Handed out all these applications. Had time to go to Goldsboro, too. It went well. And then she said a phrase that I'll never forget. But nothing seems promising. I said, oh, okay, well, be safe. I love you. Bye. And I had to go and sit down because I felt so nauseous. Dear God, what are you doing? We have got to, you know, eat and live indoors and have electricity. What are you doing? Then a couple days later, it was all better because she was offered a part-time job at Shoe Show. So then between us, we had like a job and a fourth. <laughs> it felt way better then. God's going to call you to step out in faith. God will call you to do that. That's what God just called Gideon to do. Gideon says, okay, God, I trust you. I'm, I'm, I'm gaining some confidence. I'm learning how to ride this roller coaster. I'm learning how to go up in confidence. But I'm nervous. So he tore down the altars at night. I'm telling you guys, Go and read Judges chapter six through eight this afternoon or this week when you have some time. Gideon's story is one that's worth looking at. Again, don't have time to get into all of it. Here's what I'll say. We see the miracle God accomplished through Gideon. Spoiler alert, God uses Gideon to do a miracle. They rout the Midianites, just this incredible move of God We see the miracle, and we want that miracle. Sign me up. Yes, I like the miracle. But here's what we often overlook. It started with tearing down every idol they had and turning to a renewed intimacy with God. I believe that that battle right there was more important and more crucial than any battle that would follow. The same is true for us. We don't need to look for a miracle in our lives until we turn our hearts fully to God. That is the recipe for a miracle when we get desperate for God. So I told you there were some challenges. That was one challenge. The next challenge is probably the one you're most familiar with. In the beginning of chapter seven, God comes to Gideon with some surprising news. He says, Gideon, you've got too many men. Now, this is war. You would think there is no such thing as too many men. But God comes to him and says, you've got too many guys. Gideon looked around. He said, wow. He had 32,000 guys. 32,000 Israelites had followed this farmer into battle. God comes to him and says, you've got too many. Here's what you need to understand, though. The Midianites... They had 135,000. They already had four times more people, more troop strength than Gideon did. And God comes to Gideon and says, you've got too many people. You need to go to them and say, if any of you are scared, you can go home. So Gideon says, okay, doesn't bat an eye. All right, God, let's do it. Hey, guys, I got an announcement to make. Everybody bring it in. If anybody's scared, you can go home. That's what God told me to tell you. 22,000 went home. I would just love to go see the look on Gideon's face at that moment. 10,000. That means that now the Midianites have 13 times more troop strength than Gideon has. And God comes to Gideon with another surprising announcement. You still have too many men. God, am I hearing you right? (laughs) Say, what? I mean, God, I didn't think too many. I mean, so this is me. Gideon doesn't bat an eye. Gideon's already got more confidence. But we are going to die. I mean, this is not good. And so they get to the second test God says, I want you to take them down to the water and you're going to separate them out. There's going to be some that they are going to get on their hands and knees and they're going to drink from the water and then there's going to be some, they'll go down and they'll cup their hands and they'll bring it up and they'll lap the water like a dog. Separate those two groups out. And then we see um, in in verse seven of chapter seven, the Lord said to Gideon with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. All the other 9,700 go home. You see that, those guys, the 300? Those are your guys. Get ready. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. There's one thing I want to show you, an important lesson right there. When God is involved, what you think you need for victory, you don't. When God's involved, what you think you need, you think you need troop strength, you think you need this or that or whatever battle you're facing, you think you know what you need. But that goes back to my point earlier. That's why none of us are qualified to tell God that we can or can't do what he's called us to do. Because Gideon would have never thought with 300 guys God was going to save him. But that leads me to my next point. There are some challenges, but number three, God is at work in the midst of those challenges. God's at work in the midst of those challenges. Let's read verse 9 and 10 of chapter 7. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you're afraid to go down, to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura. What happens next is one of the funniest things in all of the Bible. Every time I read this, I laugh. So, so God says to Gideon right here, if you're scared, go down to the camp and take Pura. Look at what verse 11 says. So he and Pura went down to the camp Now, y'all don't think that's funny, but that's about as good as it gets. Anyway, he and Pura went down to the camp. As confident as Gideon is, he saw 32,000 men, save 300, leave his camp. And now he's like, I need you to remind me again, Lord. I'm on that roller coaster a little bit. I'm, I'm looking at 300 guys. Encourage me, help me. And so he and his servant, Pura, go down. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley thick as locusts. The camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. God, I thought you said you were going to encourage me. Look at all these people. They had more camels than Gideon had troops. Let me just sum up what happens next. So Gideon and Pura, because Gideon's scared, they sneak down to the edge and they're outside this guy's tent and this Midianite is telling his buddy about a dream he had. So they're out there at the edge of the tent and the Midianite said, man, it's the craziest thing. I dreamed last night that there was this loaf of barley bread. It was this round loaf and it came tumbling down and it completely wiped out our whole camp. What in the world do you think that was about? And his buddy interprets the dream. And he said, that can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon. We're going to die. Gideon, he was outside. And the Bible doesn't say this, but I know this is what happened. He said, yes. <laughs> He's in the enemy camp. So he said, pure, let's go. And so they ran back. Get back to their camp. Here's what's amazing. You have 300 guys over here, and they are confident as all get out. We are about, we're about to see a miracle. We're about to fight and kill you. This is going to be amazing. You got 300 guys. They're going against 135,000 guys, and this troop strength over here, they are scared to death. How in the world? 300. It makes no sense in the natural, but God, but God got involved. Can I tell you something this morning? I don't know what you are going through. But let God get involved in your battle. Let God get involved in your life. See what he will do. You will be amazed, friend, at what God is able to do when you tear down the altars in your life to those idols, when you begin to focus on God, spend time with God, intentionally be with God. Things that make no sense will begin to happen. You will have a spring of confidence that will come up in you. And so let me just kind of summarize what happened next. Gideon gets his guys and he said, all right guys, keep your sword in your sheath. May not even need to use it. Here's what I want you to do. In one hand, take the trumpet. All right, got it. In the other hand, get a torch and put a clay pot over it. You're ready. What's the rest of the plan? He says, with that, we are going to go. And the Midianites had settled in a valley. They were down there camping in a valley. Gideon and all his 300 men went in the hills around and they surrounded them. And Gideon said, when I give you the cue, we're all going to break our pot. You're going to see the torch, the light of the torch. They are going to be scared to death. They're going to know that they are surrounded. And then we are going to blow the trumpet. Again, if you had been one of the 300, you know, your question would have been like, and then what? What, I mean, you know, the killing part. What's going to happen there? And yet, without any specifics on what's going to happen, they march, and they go, and they get in position, and look what happens next. Verse 21. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord calls the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with the swords. There was such chaos. There was such confusion that these Midianites and Amalekites and Eastern people, all these people that had come out to fight and war against the Israelites and against Gideon, they killed each other. Because when God fights our battles, he fights for us. They didn't even have to do anything except be obedient, and God fought for them. I'll finish by saying this. When we cooperate with God's plan, we get confidence, and he gets glory, and that's how it works. No glory should come to us. If we're searching, seeking to make our name famous, if we're seeking, I want people to know Andrew Price. God will never bless that kind of pride. But when your heart is, I want to be confident to do whatever it is God's called me to do, and I want God to get the glory, that's a plan God will get behind. See, we often think confidence comes, I'm never more confident than when I know I'm in the will of God. When I'm sure I'm in the will of God, I walk boldly. That's the reason why those 300 men could come against those 135,000 men so boldly, so confident because they knew they were in the will of God. But there's a misnomer. In a lot of ways and in a lot of cases, we think that the will of God in our life is about what we're doing. Sure, it's that somewhat. But the will of God is much more about who we are becoming. It's about who we're becoming. In Acts 13 36, it tells us that David did the will of God in his generation. He fulfilled his purpose, and then he died. He died because once God has done with you what needs to be done, he's got a purpose for us, and then David died. Here's what I'm saying when we know we're in the will of God, when we know that we are becoming the person that God has called us to be, confidence will flow through us like the confidence those 300 guys had and Gideon had to go out against this great army. So the question I wanna leave with all of us this week is are you becoming who God has called you to be? Are you becoming who God has called you to be? Are you tearing down those idols in your life? Are you seeking God? That's when real confidence comes. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for Gideon. God, I, I see this story of this man that you used in such an amazing way. And yet, was Gideon perfect? Absolutely not. We read chapter 8 and we know Gideon was not perfect. Was Gideon free of fear? Absolutely not. God, I thank you that you will use us just as we are. But you desire that we would become more like you. You desire that we would seek you and that we would search after you and that we would put our dependence in you. And when we do that, you will give us confidence confidence for what it is you called us to do. I pray that you would help each and every one of us do that this week. To seek after you, to think about who we're becoming, so that we can know the confidence that only you provide. I pray that all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.